an eccentric woman by the name of Sarah Winchester traveled from New Haven, Connecticut to San Jose, California to start a new life. She purchased a small eight-room farmhouse and started a small renovation project that would take 36 years and $5 million, only stopping when she passed away in 1922. Lagin has it that she was led by the spirit of her dead husband to California to build a home that would appease the spirits of the victims who were killed by the Winchester rifle. The only catch, if she continued building, she would live, stop, and she would die. What clues reside within the home's walls and windows? Was Sarah Winchester controlled by superstition and the spirits of the dead to build such an enormous home? And do those spirits haunt the Winchester mansion? Stay tuned to find out, or count to 13. So, if you've landed here at Hollyweird Paranormal, it's clear you're a fan of mystery, mayhem, and the unexplained in Hollywood true crime. I'm Dr. Shiloh, a former cop. And I'm Dr. Scott, a former Hollywood entertainment professional. We're now both forensic psychologists working in Southern California. Are you fascinated by the internal processes of criminals? Do you wonder, how could they do that? In each episode of our podcast, LA Not So Confidential, we dissect the nexus where true crime, forensic psychology, and entertainment meet. We'll serve up fascinating cases viewed through the lens of human behavior, delivered with our signature gallows humor. You can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play at LA Not So Confidential. We're ready for download and subscription. You can also follow us on Instagram at LA Not So Podcast and on Twitter at LA Not So Pod. Come and join us for LA Not So Confidential. Hey, boo, hey. (laughs) (laughs) I know. Got to open up with a big opener right there. A big old ghosty opener. I know. Hey, boos. Welcome to Hollywood. No, Hollyweird Paranormal. In Hollywood. In Hollywood, of course. (laughs) In Hollywood, of course. We are a Hollywood true crime and paranormal podcast. If you're just tuning into our podcast for the first time, where have you been? Where have you been? I know, but welcome. Hello, friend. And if you're returning for the 10th or 20th time... We are so glad you're back. Welcome back. Get ready to digest our voices with your ears. I know. We're both a little, like, just the babiest amounts of sick. So they're deep and sultry. It. I have sex, almost sexy Lauren Bacall voice. Ooh, I like as a that. side note, guys, as a side note, mm-hmm. um, it seems like Miss Thang, Miss Retrograde, left a parting gift for both Bryce and I. Mm-hmm. She left us a common cold. Thank you. I appreciate uh, it. It's so weird how we got sick at the same time. I know. It is, honestly, though, everywhere. It's all the new kids coming into the school. Oh, my and God. And all the parents at the gym are coming from dropping their kids off at the That's school. True. They're all sick. Everywhere I go, people are, like, coughing and sniffly. Uh-huh. This is my third time getting sick this year, though. So 
annoying. It is very annoying because we both, you know, we exercise, mm-hmm. we take care of ourselves, mm-hmm. we eat well, we have, okay, we don't have a normal intake of the Starbucks coffee that we consume, but we're still healthy. I just assumed that there was so much caffeine in my body that it would kill, kill any it? germs. Yeah. And apparently I was mistaken. <laughs> I guess I'll just have to increase how much I'm drinking. It's I fine. know you got to increase it. That's I have science. no problem with that. This is a science. She podcast. also left me another gift. So last night I came home mm-hmm. and I had a, a letter in the mail, just one from Capital One. Now my husband and I, oh yeah, it gets way better. So my husband and I, we do have an auto loan through them. We've sure. been paying off our car. No, so remember how I told you in the last episode mm-hmm. that someone took my MX information? Stop. Yes. I think the same people try to open a credit card under my name Girl. and they notified me immediately yeah they're really good about that they really are they're really awesome they're like this. also though but by snail mail by snail mail <laughs> thanks for the speedy delivery i know Hilarious. but i remember a couple of days ago i got this unusual text message mm. saying hey here's your pin we cannot call you with this pin you have to text this pin or input this pin to the to the website and i was like thinking Oh crap! Someone's trying to get into my mm-hmm. my account and take my information. Let me change my passcode. Mm-hmm. No, they they're opening up an account. No. So fortunately, after the whole Amex incident, I put a fraudulent alert for all the yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah credit report agencies. So that that's taken care of, and this card's being taken care of by Capital One. So it's just shady people in the world, man. A lot of shadiness going on. I hate that. But it's such a bitch because it's just mm-hmm. the amount of work that you have to like put into all this yeah. to clean it up. Yeah. I'm just going to let the universe take care of them. <laughs> yes. Sometimes the universe works a little slow for my taste, but yes. Yeah. They it will sometimes moves at a glacial pace. Yeah. But it, it will. I get it. There's just wait a, patiently. <laughs> yeah. There's bigger things on the universe's plate, so that's fine. Mm-hmm. But hurry it up. Seriously, hurry it up, bitch, hurry. (laughs) Well, guys, you heard in our intro, we are going to be talking about the grand dame, Sarah Winchester. Yes. And the house that ghosts supposedly built. Mm -hmm. And the house that, you know, Helen Mirren now lives in, or was living in at one point. (laughs) A dame playing a dame. A dame playing a dame, indeed. (laughs) My God, that woman. Woman. That woman, man. Did you know that she has like a, a teat tattoo? She has a tattoo on her teat. My face literally just bloomed into. The I just found largest, this picture like, of her on smile. Facebook, and it's this beautiful picture of her. I mean, she could still get it. Yeah. Uh, she yes, I would do her if I was a guy. I would do her, and I'm gay. Like <laughs> Helen Mirren is a sexy woman. Anyone who wants to fight me on that can fight me. But like, I'm sorry. There's no way you're not. We'll fight you to the death yeah. on this one. We I'll, will. I will, and then no, I'll make you sleep with her. That's how my, it works. One of my women, many women crushes. She's just so amazing. She is, and she's so great. But we'll definitely be covering the information and the stories and legends of the Winchester Mansion, a.k.a. the Winchester Mystery House. Yes. Yes, there are a lot of legends and lores that circulate not only around this house, but also the odd and going-ons of Sarah Winchester. What was she truly doing within the walls of the house? What was her true story? But you'll never believe the receipts that we got, guys, because mm-hmm. you know how we do. We, we do our research, we do our homework, and we do it hard. Yes. So we got some receipts, and we'll definitely cover the popular topic of this episode ghosts ghosts helen yes. and ghosts helen and ghosts oh my god i'd be like drooling over helen and ghosts yeah. any time yeah, yes. yeah yeah i probably wouldn't be so scared i'd probably still be a little scared let's like, be honest girl 
it's cold in here. Nope. Yeah. <laughs> no. No. Uh-huh. We went there. We went there. Oh, yeah. So we'll be covering the ghost stories that circulate around the Winchester Mansion and asking the two questions, is it haunted or is it one of the most haunted places in America? Yes. We have some thoughts. We have some receipts. And we got a lot of groundwork to cover, guys. All right. So real quickly, in order to begin the story of the Winchester House, we got to begin from the very, very, very beginning of the spiritual movement, guys. So let's enter 1848. So modern spiritualism dates back to 1848 when the Fox sisters of Heightsville, New York, produced knocking sounds that were alleged to be spirit messages from a spirit. Soon after John D. Fox, his wife, and six children move into their new home, they began to hear mysterious rapping sounds. Two daughters, Maggie and Kate, gradually became brave enough to clap their hands and snap their fingers in an effort to elicit these knocking sounds. A series of raps responded to their initiative. Soon, Mm-mm. your face, <laughs> your face. So with these two cholas, they believed that they were the, people believed that they were the ones that created the whole term, like knock once for yes. Right. Or, you know, give us a sign of your presence. So, all I can think of is that scene, I think it's from The Conjuring, mm-hmm. where, like, uh, Via Firmiga is, like, in the top of the stairwell. Oh, and she's clapping. I always do this. It's either her or Rose Byrne in the other one. I always get The Conjuring and the other one that Patrick Wilson's in, Confused. Whichever one it is, she's at, like, the top of the stairs with the matches, and then the creepy ghost that's hands Mia. reach out and it claps next to her and she screams and the light yeah, goes out. Yeah, Mia. Just cue me being traumatized on such a core <laughs> level. Like anytime I hear clapping or like knocking, I'm like, oh no, I'm not here for that. Do you want to hear a good example of Bryce <laughs> haunting uh, or someone trying to communicate with the spirit of Bryce? Here's a good example of it. Yes. Bryce, if you're here, please give us a sign of your presence. Oh my God. Yes. The coffee <laughs> emptied itself. Oh my. Yeah, I know. Yes, exactly. It's me. I keep on hearing the slurping sound. Mm. It's the Starbucks coffee. That's how you'll know it's me. It smells like Starbucks coffee. It smells like coffee, like cold brew. Why is it cold brew in here? Yeah. It spells venti. That's how you'll know it's me. Cold brew on the message board. (laughs) I probably will end up haunting a Starbucks. You you know, I heard of a story on, and that's why we drink, of Mm. these two girls at a Starbucks. And um, they were claiming that at a certain time during closing that weird things would happen. Yeah, and they live in an old, old town somewhere in the Midwest, and this stuff was happening. Ugh, if you're not safe in a Starbucks, is nothing sacred? Well, I wouldn't be scared in a Starbucks. I'd be like, ooh, grab my Starbucks. I know. Keep on watching. Yeah, right. At least you have some entertainment. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. Now, soon a simple code of communication was set up between the Fox sisters and the invisible spirit who apparently resided in their home. With time, Maggie and Kate learned that the spirit who made these rapping noises was that of a murdered peddler whose remains were buried in the cellar of their home. So news of the Fox sisters' sensational communication with the spirit world traveled rapidly. They had it, it seemed, stumbled upon dramatic proof of life after death. And within months, there were national celebrities. So they were like the new Paris Hilton and Nicole Richie back then. Yes. Minus the bad fashion choices and makeup choices. It was the 1800s. They were still pretty bad. (laughs) (laughs) 
Now, the story of the Fox sisters led to an explosion in the spiritualist activity in the USA. Tests carried out in 1851 suggested that the girls were deliberately producing the knockings themselves with no participation by spirits. This exposure did not slow down the growth of spiritualism, nor damage the reputation of the sisters. But a small little group came about called SPR, Society of Psychical Research, that was on the trail to get them. So, spiritualism was well established by the time of Civil War, and as the death toll mounted, a new estimate puts the body count at 750,000. Spiritualists enjoyed ever greater demand for their services. So this was a time where families were losing their children, Mm -hmm. families were going out to war, the husband was fighting, the mom was, you know, acting as a nurse, and I mean, you had so much death around Mm -hmm. because of this war. So... It seemed that when you consider the 1860 census, it shows that only 31 million people living in the U.S., pretty much everyone had a reason to go to a medium Mm -hmm. because this war took their family members, their loved ones so instantly and so quickly. They needed some way to process this grief. What a good way. Go to a medium. So seances became popular with all social classes, and even Abraham Lincoln attended a few hosted by famous medium Nettie Colburn, a society favorite in the West Washington, D.C. circle. Now, however, in 1881, the Fox girls revealed that they had faked the whole entire thing. So they were called out. One should consider that in the late 19th to early 20th century America attempting to communicate with spirits around the table was not simply for diehard spiritualists. Mm. It became so widespread and activity throughout the nation occurred that William Bould successfully marketed his version of the Ouija board in 1901 and it is still being sold today mm-hmm. in many colors, in many forms, and in many designs. Damn. Yeah. So it's still carried on to this very day of how, like, now we still hold seances mm-hmm. and sleepovers and graveyards. Don't do that. Don't do that, please. Don't invite the demon. Now we walk into... Damn, that's I, so crazy. I know. Isn't it? We've sort of blown my mind a little bit. It did. But it also created a movement of individuals, you know, like SPR. Right. Um, and also Harry Houdini, who we'll talk about later. Yes. Who wasn't a spiritualist. A lot of people, like thought he was uh-huh. but he was an illusionist and he was also a truth seeker to yes. debunk i kind of and, i already liked him but this story kind of made me love him a little a bit. little bit more yeah yeah damn harry i know get it girl <laughs> find that truth don't that go truth. in that water tank. get those receipts oh. get those yeah. receipts thank you love so it. we're gonna enter sarah's world so hey we're gonna talk about the parties and the winchesters mm-hmm. so sarah was born sarah lockwood pardee in September of 1839 to Leonard and Sarah Pardee of New Haven, Connecticut. And when she reached maturity, she became the belle of the city or the bay of New Haven. Ooh. Oh, yeah. She was a looker. She was well-received at social events thanks to her musical skills, her fluency in various foreign languages, and her sparkling charm. So she was a threat to a lot of the girls in that neighborhood. Her beauty was also well-known by young men. They were very thirsty for Sarah about the town. And despite her diminutive t- size, because homegirl stood at 4 feet 10 inches. That's insane. But she made up for this in personality, mm. in wit, and in a lot of loveliness. 
she was she was very well rounded very well educated and very beautiful now according to troy taylor of american hauntings inc.com fyi i really adore this guy because he is a phenomenal researcher and historian at the same time that sarah was growing up a young man was also maturing in another prominent new haven family the young man's name was william wirt winchester and he was the son of oliver winchester a shirt manufacturer and businessman and in 1857 he took over the assets of a firm which made the volcanic repeater a rifle used Mm. um a lever mechanism to load bullets into the breech so obviously this type of gun was a vast improvement over the muzzle loading rifles of recent times but winchester saw room for advancement and in 1860 the company developed the henry rifle Mm -hmm which had a tubular magazine located under the barrel because it was easy to reload and could fire rapidly. The Henry was said to average one shot every three seconds, and it became the first true repeating rifle and a favorite among the Northern troops at the outbreak of the Civil War, Mm -hmm. which is true because back then a lot of these guys had muskets and it was such a process to clean the muskets, load the bullets, load the gunpowder. There were even reports of men being killed while cleaning their gun and trying to reload. And with this rifle, they didn't have to do all that. It was just so repetitive and so quick. Now, money began to pour in, and Oliver Winchester soon amassed a large fortune from government contracts and private sales. He even reorganized the company and changed the name to Winchester Repeating Arms Company. The family prospered, and on September 30th of 1862, at the height of the Civil War, William Wirt Winchester and Arbe Sarah Pardee were married in an elaborate ceremony in New Haven. Nice. So it was a beautiful union between these two. They were very much in love mm-hmm. because Sarah and William grew up together. Mm-hmm. They knew each other when they were very, very, very young. Mm-hmm. And so they had these two prominent families, and it was just a beautiful union. But four years later, on July 15th of 1866, Sarah gave birth to a daughter named Annie Pardee Winchester. And just a short time later, the first disaster struck for Sarah as her daughter contracted an illness known as marasmus, Mm. a children's disease in which a body wastes away. The infant died just a few days later on July 24th. Sarah was so shattered by this event that she withdrew into herself and teetered on the edge of madness for some time. And in the end, it would be nearly a decade before she returned to her normal self. But she and William would never have another child. Things do not get any better for this poor woman. Mm -hmm. In 1880, it would soon turn very, very dark for Sarah. And it would be the toughest year in her life. She will lose the three most influential people in 1880 starting with her mother in December she passes Hmm. no her mother passes in May pardon me in December her father-in-law passes and then William contracts pulmonary tuberculosis and passes in March of 1881 all within a 10-month period she loses all three of these Mm -hmm. people So Sarah inherits over $20 million, an incredible sum, especially in those days. She also received 48.9% of the Winchester Repeating Arms Company and an income of about $1,000 per day, which, by the way, was not taxable until 1913. Yeah. (sighs) When you have money, especially during that time. I know. That was a time to have it. I know. (laughs) Now we could go 
and travel into the legends, Bryce. Yes. You ready for this? I'm ready. So according to legend, and this is speculation, and it's not really documented, Mm -hmm. but her newfound wealth could do nothing to ease her pain. So Sarah grieved deeply, not only for her husband, but also for her lost child and her lost mother and father-in-law. A short time later, a friend suggested that Sarah might speak to a spiritualist medium about her loss. Your husband is here, the medium told her, and then went on to provide a description of William Winchester. He says for me to tell you that there is a curse on your family which took the life of he and your child, and it will soon take you too. It is a curse that has resulted from this terrible weapon created by the Winchester family. Thousands of persons have died because of it, and their spirits are now seeking vengeance. So Sarah was then told that she must sell her property in New Haven and head towards the setting sun. She will be guided by her husband, and when she found her new home in the West, she would recognize it. You must start a new life, said the medium, and build a new home for yourself and for the spirits who have fallen from this terrible weapon, too. You can never stop building this house. If you continue building, you will live. Stop and you will die. Yeah, so yeah, shortly after the seance, Sarah sold, this is just speculation, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. she immediately sold her home in New Haven and with a vast fortune at her disposal, moved west to California. She believed that she was guided by the hand of her dead husband, and she did not stop traveling until she reached the Santa Clara Valley in 1884. Here, she found a six-room home under construction which belonged to Dr. Caldwell. She entered into negotiations with him and soon convinced him to sell her the house and all 162 acres, which it it rested on. Now, it is speculation and a part of the legend that she had met with this medium and the medium had instructed her to head west based on the messages of her dead husband Mm -hmm. and the spirits of the rifle. But we got some receipts. Yes. Here's the thing. New, newspapers existed back then. <laughs> so when you're a part of a prominent family, mm-hmm. like the Winchesters, like the Parties, it was like a form of TMZ. It was like a form of Twitter Yeah. that um, people read the paper and people read everyone else's business, especially right. people with money. So when you had the passing of her family members and of William that was in the newspapers. Yeah. And yes, their obituaries were also printed. So I'm sure William's obituary was printed in the paper along with a picture of William. So I'm sure that Sarah probably did go to a medium Mm -hmm. and the medium probably did her homework and told her all this nonsense. Yes. Uh, yes, I have so many little things that I want to say, but we can put oh, a pin because oh. it gets real ranty. It gets real <laughs> ranty, but here, here's the receipts, guys. Here are the receipts. According to the New Haven Register, mm. all right, public record, Sarah went on a three-year world tour before settling in California in 1884. Hmm. So she didn't pick up everything in a, yeah. in a hurry. She went on a three-year world tour. The New Haven Register, dated 1886, lists Sarah as having been removed to Europe. No other information has survived to tell us exactly where Mrs. Winchester went during those years or what her activities consisted of, but it was also claimed that she may have found 
architectural inspiration within those mm. travels that she will soon soon bestow mm-hmm. on her home. Interesting. It's so true because certain locations of the home reminisce certain locations of the French cathedrals, mm-hmm. FYI. Plus she was, it was documented, she was suffering from arthritis right, and was in a bit of pain. So a close friend of hers and member of the Winchester Arms Company, Ned Rambo, and partner urged her to take a trip mm-hmm. to the West. So according to Mary Jo Ignafo, author of Captive of the Labyrinth, and just an, a side note, guys, yes. this has to be one of the best books mm. I've ever read or stories that I've read in regards to Sarah Winchester, the, the Winchester family, the Pardee family, everything, because Mary Jo Ignafo has spent many years researching documents, Love. register, I mean, everything, records, everything mm-hmm. based on this family. She went through the Stanford records. She went through Yale University records. She Damn. went through heritage records in San Jose. She spoke with distant family members of the workers who used to work on mm-hmm. the property. Mm-hmm. This girl had so many receipts, and it's one of the best down-to-earth stories of this woman. I love that. So based on Mary Jo, in spring of 1886, Ned Rambo escorted Sarah on a tour throughout the valley. She fell in love with the valley. The dry weather and air definitely would be of assistance to her health. And her and Rambo also traveled to San Francisco, and she didn't fall in love with the city of San Francisco much since it reminded her of New Haven. Mm-hmm. It was cold at the time. It was rainy. It just didn't, you know, give her that oomph. Nope. She goes back to the valley and finds the farmhouse and asks Dr. Caldwell, name yo price. Well, when you're making the equivalent of yeah. just thousands of dollars a day. Exactly, and the rest is history, and she soon dies on September 5th of 1922 due to heart failure at 82. She died two years after the end of the women's suffrage movement, which FYI started in 1846 and lasted until 1920. But I'm very happy to report that she was able to live to see that women were given the right to vote mm. in 1919. And then she dies three years later. Damn. To me, that gave me so many feels and goosebumps when yeah. I read that. Because I forgot. I was like, yeah, we were given the right to vote in 1919, 1918. And she was able to see that because she was a big supporter of it. Oh, my God. That's insane. Isn't that crazy? Sometimes right. I think about like civil rights and gay rights and women's rights and I'm like that's such ancient history like nope that was like not even a century ago exactly <laughs> exactly uh, what exactly we still uh, have a lot of work we still got still a, lot a lot of work, work yes yes but, soapbox um, ready so <laughs> you want me to hold your purse yeah girl I'm gonna, no I'm gonna swing it around my head <laughs> a little banshee uh-huh. alright go right ahead boom. let's talk about this house All so right. That is the thing, is that it started out as, as you were saying, a like six-bedroom farmhouse under construction. Yeah. And the main draw for like a normal investor was the large amount of land. It was on like 162, 162 acres. yeah. And like, that is so much land. Just a side note, I, I read reports that it was six and then it was an eight bedroom see, oh, okay there's, see, there's no oh, clear I, report of i this. think it was because it was under construction maybe that because i saw yeah, eight true. i saw six and eight as well yeah i just went with the lower number because it makes it seem so much more dramatic <laughs> <laughs> it was a one bedroom shack before she started yes you had to go right across the street I to use the bathroom it. i love it <laughs> um 
So she does. She basically, once she purchases the home, she starts construction immediately. Yeah. And there is no sort of game plan. She doesn't hire a contractor. She hires a foreman. So there's no one designing, essentially, like, here's the end goal. And so what ends up happening is that we have a seven-story, 50-room mansion that is then built over the next like several years yeah when here's the thing too if you're working near round the clock you're gonna get a lot of construction work done like, oh of course i flipped houses with my ex-brother-in-law and just the two of us working like eight hours a day it was like a different house every day that we would come back like, oh wow, i bet we got so much work done yesterday like mm-hmm. i'm no wonder i'm so tired but like we would come back and be like man like when you come back and like get fresh eyes on it you realize like how much you've accomplished mm-hmm. a whole crew working near round the clock of course it was seven stories mm-hmm. so the current house for those of you who may not know, is actually only four stories of the mansion, and that is because of the earthquake. And so... Oh, yeah, the earthquake of 1906. Yes, which is, like, the one that everyone talks about, basically, mm-hmm. in this time period, because it, like, ruined California yeah. at the time. This baby little state was, like, completely unprepared. Mm-hmm. All their wooden buildings exactly. were not to code. So even now, we have things that are in place from this time period that are like the bare minimums and then of course the earthquake in like this century Mm -hmm. updated so many of those things but like that's the reason why california has so many anyway tiny little sidebar essentially what happened though with the mansion is that it was built by her design so essentially she is meeting with the foreman every night and telling him what she, like, wants to add on. Mm-hmm. Hence why it has so many, like, weird rooms, tiny little, like, stairs to nowhere. Exactly. It's all very hodgepodge together into this sprawling mansion because they were just working on it constantly. So you're not going to remember what you were doing in the first kitchen when you're working on the fourth kitchen. You know what I mean? Exactly. So because of her uh, instruction, it was actually one of the few homes or buildings in general that was built on a floating foundation, which in essence like saved the house, but did the um, because of the way it worked, the foundation was very secure, mm-hmm. but the top floors were all built out That's of wood. That's true, because it was originally seven stories, and, and they so, lost yeah. the two floors. Yeah. And a lot of people claim, well, the reason why you open, the doors open to walls, right. the, the, st- the staircases that lead to nowhere, Homegirl was like, I'm not dealing with this. Mm-hmm. Just block it. Just just close it off. Yes. And let's continue building. Like, I, yes. have, I have plans. Right. Is it wrong for me to think of Sarah Winchester as Victorian Oprah? No. Okay, cool. Well, actually, it's really <laughs> funny that you bring that up, because that's one of the things I want to talk about, is that she, for as rich as she was, and I definitely am of the, like, eat the rich camp, mm-hmm. he said from his soapbox, <laughs> um, she actually was... For the time, especially, if you look at the history of workers' rights in this country and what happened after the Industrial Revolution and what it took for unions to get a minimum wage and a 40-hour work week and how barbaric and child labor, like, it is a big ball of suck. Mm -hmm. She sort of bucks that trend and has um, workers who were with her the duration of her life because she was so philanthropic 
and you know she had built a hospital and like you had said earlier she basically falls in love with the valley and because of that much of her money is being funneled back into the valley in Mm -hmm. the form of employment for the army of workers that she has oh yeah all of the staff that she has and because she is essentially in a lifetime of mourning they really become like family to her and it's not just that she you know is paying them well she's spending what at the time would have been considered an unheard of amount of money to make sure that they were living a comfortable life and if you think about that word comfortable not just that they're making it not just that they're like getting a good wage but that they're living like their best life like she had hospital that was like one of the best hospitals in southern california at the time yeah so that were their families getting sick they're getting the best treatment and i to jump forward i'm going to come back to the house a little bit i know i'm on a little little (laughs) bit of a tangent i just think it's so one of the things that she has all these negative stigmas around her and you said oprah and that made me think of it the the more accurate i think representation of her is of a woman in mourning who's showing love in the best way that she knows how to and it just happens to be through money and that's maybe not always received very no, well by the it, public you, you you got it right because yeah. um doing my research mm-hmm. uh through the los angeles time they wrote this beautiful article on her the real reason for the elaborate construction of the house others speculate sarah was coping with her grief mm. uh with a flurry of activity or yes, that she I was read this article as well she was crazy however um the winchester mystery house historian janan bohem paints a happier picture imagining mm-hmm. that The continual renovations reminded Sarah of the good times when she and William built their New Haven house together. I think that's really sweet. And that is very sweet, and it's so true. They built their house together. William was so in love with her and respected her, you know, her mind and her ideas Mm. that he included her in this process. And according to Janan, I think Sarah was trying to repeat that experience by doing something that they both loved. And she also suspects that Sarah was just an ardent, albeit centric philanthropist, mm. like you said, who used her family fortune to purposely, purposefully employ the San Jose mm-hmm. community. She had a social conscience, and she did try to give back. Bohem offered nothing, uh, noting the hospital Sarah built in her mm. husband's name. The house in itself was her biggest social yeah. work of it all, and it's so true. Um, she wasn't haunted by in my opinion she wasn't haunted by these ghosts of the rifle she was haunted by the ghosts of tuberculosis yeah tb was still running rampant and we see this too with the waverly hills hospital i mean it was a tv hospital i mean this thing still goes into the you know later in 1930s to 1940s and for her like this was her way of coping with her grief yeah and i think it's very telling that when she died yes the majority of her staff stopped working there Mm -hmm. but also like you were saying even in an era of like that kind of newspaper journalism that's like maybe a little yellow oh yeah uh, a little sensationalized that like none of them went to the papers no none of them ever talked and so you have like stories like you were saying from relatives who heard stories but there was never any like, well, let me tell you what like she was like behind the scenes or any of that kind of salacious no. tell-all kind of. Yeah. And I think that is a huge testament to the kind of loyalty that she engendered 
in her family, which they became. You know what I mean? You're working for someone for decades. Yeah. There's a relationship there. And there she's is. treating you well and she's genuinely concerned with your well being. Mm-hmm. It's kind of nice. It's very nice. It and just it's, happens. It's very yeah. true. Because Ignafo in her book, she mm. even mentions that they actually did go to the press, but mm-hmm. not for those reasons. They were trying to tell the media mm-hmm. the truth about Sarah Winchester. They're like, no, no, no. She was actually amazing, but we don't want to hear that. So their stories right. fell on the media's deaf ears. Right. They didn't. They wanted the juicier tales. They're like, no, you got to tell us the truth. Like, what is the tea with this woman? Right. We want to know if she was crazy. We want to know if she was really haunted by these spirits. Like, what what, what was going on in the house? Mm-hmm. We don't care about her like her philanthropy or anything. We just want to know like. Right. The dirty deeds. Well, especially at this time, if you think about that, like, yeah, she was eccentric. Yeah. And rich. Oh, very And so what sells papers? Like, Mm -hmm. eccentric plus rich must equal crazy. And it's like, well, probably today we do that to an extent still. But if we saw a similar kind of situation, we would probably just be like, well, this is how she's coping with her grief. Like, Mm -hmm. she was doing the very Victorian, like, all black morning dress yes. for the remainder of her life. So, you know, people jump on that. And like, well, it's Southern California. Like, is she haunted by the chill of ghosts? Is that why she's able to wear these clothes? It's like, well, it's a different time period. Exactly. Like, she's in mourning. And it was a little bit of an antiquated idea towards the later part of her life. But if you look at literally Queen Victoria, she did the same thing. And so mm-hmm. it's like, okay, but eccentric doesn't equal, like, crazy. I think is the thing I keep coming back to her. Yes. And it's just like so sad that this woman is like very forward thinking in many ways. Another one was that she was, you know, and again, what is a woman supposed to do? You have all this money. You don't work. What are you supposed to do with your time? That's not seen as like a faux pas in society. One of the things that she did that was sort of looked down on is that she was obsessed with, like, innovation and technology. Oh, my God, yeah. And so the house reflects that with, like, the number of elevators and the way that they worked and the machines that she had to heat and cool the house. Mm -hmm. At the time, it was a very progressive, innovative the house home. had a lot of things that other homes in San Jose didn't have. Other homes in the country. In the country. Like, it was one of the only homes. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, we already talked about the floating foundation that just, like, wasn't standard at the time. Right. The elevators had, like, horizontal pistons, which is, like, not A, it's a sprawling mansion, so uh-huh. they have the space. But even today, we don't do that uh-huh. because it's a space waster, but it's more efficient and innovative. Mm-hmm. And, like, the way that it was, like, heated and cooled through, like, steam. There wasn't such thing as air conditioning back no, then. No, no. She but just, she like, had, had central it. Heat. Yeah. She was like, how am I going to heat this house? Yeah. Not only that, but it was... Apparently, she was one of the first people to have a telephone. Girl. And it was rumored that her number was one, two, three, four. Oh, she the OG. <laughs> she was the OG of that. And she was the OG of having the first shower. Love it. She had a shower. She invented an irrigation system in the house. Mm-hmm. And like you, you said, yeah, she had three elevators. She even installed a Victorian-like intercom or the announcer. Yeah. yeah, it was, I mean, she was ahead of her time. Literally, I think that is what it keeps coming back to, is that she was so forward-thinking, which I think is like a family trait, right? Like the original Winchester, to go from like 
Yes. Clothing and textiles into like, no, there's a market here that like we can capitalize on. It's a so. repeating rifle. Like, sh- I mean. To be that forward thinking before the war had even started. Right there. And yeah. to like win the West and the Civil War mm-hmm. through that. I think it was in her to be progressive minded, especially like you were saying with her father, with her husband, who actually valued her opinion, which was also unheard of, that that was just a part of her personality that then is labeled as like she's crazy she's kooky she's like seeing the devil like exactly she just wants electricity like leave her alone so let's go into the interesting Mm. characteristics of the house Mm -hmm. that painted this woman in such a different light yes so the mansion has 160 rooms spanning 24,000 square feet there are 47 fireplaces 40 stairways six kitchens and three elevators in the mansion Mm -hmm. so the house is full of oddities yes let's get that out of the way um issued by many like we said bizarre bizarre demands to her builders including the building of what some claim were trap doors secret Mm -hmm. passages yes they were secret passages a skylight into the floor spider web windows and staircases that led to nowhere Mm -hmm. which were a result of the 1906 earthquake but there are other doors that open to blank walls and dangerous doors on the second floor that open out into nothing so that was all due to the earthquake once again but some say the symbols in the house Yes. Point not to ghosts, but maybe something else. Yes. An alternate theory on the Winchester's house's perplexing designs declares that Sarah was creating a puzzle full of encryptions inspired by the work of English philosopher Francis Bacon. Mm -hmm. There's speculation that clues to the house's true meaning are hidden in the ballroom, the Shakespearean windows and the iron gates. This theory suggests that Sarah was a member of a mystic society like the Roscreen the Rosicrucians, I think that's how you pronounce Mm -hmm. it. Sorry if I butchered it. Or a secret society like the Freemasons, or possibly even both. So there is this humongous window, the stained glass window in the ballroom that reads, wide unclass the table of their thoughts, and these same thoughts people this little world. The second verse is from Richard II. I remember this first because I studied Shakespeare in -hmm. in college and I had to write a report on Richard II. This is from a big monologue. But the first one I researched is from Troilus and Cressida. Mm. And uh, the entire first quotation, in my my belief, wide unclass the tables of their thoughts. It's kind of like you're viewing through the the lenses of a spiritualist. Mm maybe interpreted by unfold the seance tables Mm. to freely communicate the messages that these spirits have for us. And the same thoughts that people, this little world when read in this context becomes the spirit messages and the physical presence Mm. of the messages um, or of these spirits who communicate them coexist among us in this world that others mistakenly kind of see as tiny we see the spirit world as very, very small when in all actuality, it's it's the opposite. very, very large. Yeah, it's the opposite. Yeah. I love, I think, I know we're jumping a tiny bit ahead, but I think no. this is what makes more sense to me and helps explain some of the oddities because if you also look at the number 13. That's another one. That is like so 
awkwardly present in this house. It's like, okay, but why is that? So many, if not all of the staircases have 13 steps. Right. Many of the windows were 13 panes of glass. Mm -hmm. There were 13 restrooms at one point. They did end up closing a lot of them down because of like the way the irrigation worked. Yeah. So that one's like not as like whatever but then the one bathroom that she was using until she died had 13 windows within the one bathroom including a window on the front door so the nurse could like check in on her which i always found like a little (laughs) creepy but okay gotta get checked up on Uh um and so that to me kind of makes a little more sense like i think a lot of people you know and 13 is a very charged number yeah, some people take it as bad luck. Yes. Others take it as, like, a good number. So, like, like I think a lot of, it's very easy to say, like, well, all these things with 13, um, that must be because of the ghost, that must be because of the haunting, that must be because of the evil presence in this home. Possibly. I am probably a little more of the mind that it has something to do with her connection to, like, a secret type society and, like, numerology as opposed to, like, that other branch of spirituality mm-hmm. i'm also super obsessed with secret societies so i definitely am bringing yeah. my own baggage to that I'm, lean, I'm i'm more lean towards that literally as soon as i read that and it was like she was like maybe a freemason i was like oh my god yeah it's happening it's <laughs> happening a lot of people like to discredit it because they mention well back then women weren't freemasons mm-hmm. um that's true but if you're a woman with money like sarah Girl, you money can be anything speaks. you want. Money exactly. Talks. And you can see the symbol. Like, there's supposedly a symbol in the Iron Gates, like a Freemason mm-hmm. symbol. So that, like, gives, like, a major clue right there, even when you uh. enter the grounds. So, yeah, like, there's, like, 13 everything in there. There's 13 uh, panes of glass in several windows, the 13 steps, like you said. Um, there are even 13 robe hooks in the seance room. Mm mm. But the strange thing is, after Sarah's death, according to workers at the time, the 13 hooks were added about five years after her passing. That's creepy. Yeah. So that's, you know, another clue. (laughs) Dear the Freemasons, please call us and let us know why you added those hooks. Thanks. So other rumors. We could go into rumors Mm -hmm, about mm -hmm. Sarah. The rumors that were spread about Sarah, that Sarah was haunted by the spirits, the angry spirits of the victims of the Winchester rifle, Mm -hmm. that she was building this house to build rooms for the spirits, that she was being led by these spirits, Mm -hmm. by these angry spirits. So a lot of people claim that she was controlled by the dead and that she, every night, to confuse them, Mm -hmm. would sleep in a different room, Yes, would build these unique you know, staircases, panels, and labyrinth-like hallways Mm -hmm. to confuse them. And there's also a rumor, I'm just going to steer on this direction, Mm -hmm. that Roosevelt attempted to visit Sarah at one point. So there's a story that that Theodore Roosevelt attempted to visit Sarah at home in 1903, but was turned away. And this is used as an example of her alleged weirdness. So this was a rumor. And according to Mary Ignafo, she says that the rumors likely started about Sarah because in life she was extremely private, mm-hmm. refused to address gossip, and did not engage much in the community. Ignafo says that this infamous presidential visit actually never occurred. Sure, of course not. Eyewitness accounts stated that the president's carriage never stopped at the Winchester place, she says. Furthermore, 
um, Winchester had rented a house near San Francisco that year to prepare for the wedding of her niece. She wasn't at home at the time. Girl. Girl. There was a rumor, too, that she lived by herself, that she was alone. No. Sarah Winchester had siblings. Mm -hmm. She was very close to her siblings, Estelle and Belle. Mm -hmm. She had sisters that eventually moved closer to her. Mm -hmm. They moved a few years after she moved to California, and they had children. They had nieces and nephews, and they were all in cordial communication with Sarah. They were very close to her, so she was never alone. She was very close to her niece, Sadie. Mm -hmm. She was very close to her sisters. She was extremely close to her sister, Belle. Yeah. Well, and here's my thought about the maze, the labyrinth, for the confusion of the ghost. I think that that sort of doesn't quite match up with like other hauntings. Yeah. One of the things that we perceive that ghosts are walking through walls or floating or any of those things is because in my, and you know, feel free to correct me, uh, live tweet me and tell me how wrong I am. Um, (laughs) But ghosts are trapped in the time where they died. And so that's why you'll see, like, oh, they were walking through the walls, but then you look at, like, for example, the original blueprint, and it's because it used to be a hallway. There wasn't always a wall there. So because the ghost is traveling in their, quote, timeline, they're just walking through a hall. We, in the present, are seeing them walk through a wall that we've constructed. So to me, a physical house wouldn't confuse a ghost because they're not in that home they're in their own time at mm-hmm. the same location so i find that a little odd and a little incongruent with maybe other hauntings mm-hmm. and sort of tied into that fine the theory is that she was like haunted by the blood money and like all these ghosts that died because of the winchester rifle but why would they like be there uh, when like they died in other locations. Yes, make a really good point. Mm-hmm. Um, Rob Christofferson mm-hmm. of Our Strange Guys. Hey. Hi, Rob. I adore him. Uh, I remember before I went to the Myrtles Plantation, we mm-hmm. were messaging each other, and I was telling Rob, I was like, I'm a little worried, mm-hmm. and he asked me why, and I told him, I'm just worried. Like, what if something follows me back? I always worry about that. Mm-hmm. You know, I always, in my mind, you know, I always remind myself, stay grounded. Yes. You know, they cannot enter your place uh, of refuge if you're grounded. Like, yes. you got to tell them in your mind, like, stay the fuck away. Mm-hmm. Um, no me toques. <laughs> no me toques, please. So he goes on to tell me, you know, the spirits there, especially, for example, like Myrtle's Plantation, mm-hmm. they're so rooted. They can never leave. Like, right. They're just, that is their place. That is their home. Yes. They can't follow you unless you invite them. Mm-hmm. But they're so rooted there, like the ghosts of the Whaley House and so much more but yeah you're right i mean they if for example like the battle of what is it little horn or big horn big horn the battle of big horn when they have been residing on that land where they perished Mm -hmm. true yes but no you're right like why would they go back to this house and stay there and it could happen right i'm not trying to say that there's no conceivable explanation i just think it does seem a little suspect no, you're right. And a little like, no, well, you... why would this be so different than other hauntings? Yeah, but that's another thing too. Mm-hmm. And this is what I get from a lot of our listeners and my friends who have visited the Winchester. I always ask them this question, like, did you see or feel anything? And 
I always get this answer, no. Hmm. When I went to the Whaley house, when people go to the Whaley house, you're gonna freaking feel and yeah. you're gonna freaking see something. My husband, who is major skeptic, what? was pointing things out to me in that house, was feeling things that he was telling me. I'm a, I'm a little open-minded. No, he's not gonna admit to me that he believes, but he, for this man who is a skeptic, to point to me orbs mm-hmm. that said something. Yeah. You know, and I have a lot of documentation and pictures of yeah, what we caught in that house. Uh-huh. But you go to the Winchester house, okay, well, where are these angry spirits? Yes. If they were there, things would be flying all over the place, mm-hmm. in my opinion. Well, and there's so much stuff to interact with in the first place. Yeah. So the house now is owned by the LLC and obviously is open to the public and they've restored it as best they can to mm-hmm. its sort of original kind of idea with like, I mean, when it, it took them six weeks when she died to clear the house out. Yeah. So I think um, she left the belongings in the house to her niece. Yes. And then the niece kept what she wanted and then public auctioned a major. I mean, it was just so much. And it mm-hmm. took them six weeks to clear the house out. It's so, true. like, if there was, like, a spirit there that wanted, they would not be at a loss for something to, like, move around. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um also, bringing back our famous little Easter egg from earlier in this episode, Harry Houdini actually did visit this house. Mm-hmm. And as you were saying, he was an illusionist, but also a truth seeker. And he, in the later part of his like fame, when he was still like doing a lot of the events, well, you know, he was getting a lot of notoriety. He also would go to places that were alleged hauntings and try and prove them. He was a debunker. A debunker, that's the perfect word. He tried to debunk it. And he was there, and he actually is the one credited with giving it the name, the Winchester Mystery House, Mm -hmm. because he said that there is something unsettling about this home, but that there was no haunted presence, Mm -hmm. which I find very fascinating. Yes. And A, if you can't trust Harry Houdini, who can you trust? Oprah. Oprah, yes, (laughs) Oprah Houdini. <laughs> well, it turned out that after Sarah Winchester passed, the house was sold. Mm-hmm. Well, first, it was rented to a family, yes. and then it, they eventually buy it with the money that they profited from making the house the mystery house. Yes. They were the Brown family, and they purchased this house after she died, and they kind of turned it into an attraction. Sure. They saw so much potential because they were carnival workers. Love it. They knew how to, you know, make a big business out of this Mm -hmm. and market it as you know the house that had staircases that led to nowhere they were responsible for putting that sign on the door outside the door that leads to nowhere Mm -hmm. they're responsible they were responsible for making a major profit now they weren't responsible for creating a lot of the legends and lores that surrounded this house and sarah but they were known to fluff it up a little more you can capitalize on it oh they oh they did Mm-hmm. Very much they did. So, yeah, that's what ended up happening with the yeah. house. Now, let's ask, like, in your opinion, mm-hmm. what do you think of Sarah? I think that if you look at the history of feminism in this country and, like, kind of look at it through, like, the waves, like, this would be considered like first wave feminism technically. Yeah. And so it's a lot of the suffragette movement fighting for the vote, mm-hmm. fighting to just not be considered property. Um, 
those kinds of things I think really shackled this woman. Mm-hmm. She was more free than a lot of people in society because she was so wealthy. Yeah. So it just I think shows you how uh, bad it actually was because if someone who was literally at one point the wealthiest woman in the world she didn't stay that way for very long but at one point she was if even she was not able to like sort of transcend the shackles that were put on her by society because of how oppressive it was at that time oh yeah very oppressive it like sort of tells you kind of everything you need to know basically mm-hmm. and like you were saying like that she was able to live and see like women actually get the vote is very touching um so i think that her eccentricity was probably mislabeled misunderstood and yeah. that we as a country <laughs> do not really have a great history of being accepting of people's like differences or their mental illnesses or their grief processes so i think that they're like hypothetically yeah she probably was somewhere on the spectrum at the very least she was incredibly private and personal and like didn't really care Mm -hmm. about like societal norms so there's a lot of room to kind of like fill in whatever you want to say about her because she's not going to, like you said, she didn't address gossip or any of that no, kind she of. she wasn't part of any social circles yeah. or any high society groups. Yeah. So I think for me, I think she was just a product of the times. You know, everything was being sensationalized. It's a really good way to sell papers. If you say that this like eccentric woman is being haunted, it's a good story. It is. I think like the house is probably more of what we as visitors bring to it Mm -hmm. as opposed to like what may be there that we're then experiencing. I think that like one of the tour guides, there was a quote and she said, a lot of it is probably that you can't hear other tours in the house. So when you're like in the deep recesses, you feel very isolated. Mm -hmm. And when our brains get isolated, we kind of, that's why we're afraid of the dark. You know what I mean? It starts going into overdrive to fill in what we can't hear or understand. Mm -hmm. So I think any kind of haunting, any kind of energy is something that's been brought from people to the home as opposed to like the home affecting people. But now, because it's been centuries, or, you know what I mean, decades of people going to this home expecting or wanting it to be haunted, Mm -hmm. there probably is some kind of residual energy there. Oh, 100%. Yeah. Oh, we'll get into that soon. Yes, yes. According to our friends over at L.A., not so confidential. Hi. They're our buddies that you heard in our little promo right there. They're amazing. We like them. We Yes, we adore the hell out of them. Dr. Shiloh and Dr. Scott, they are both forensic psychologists. Love. They gave us their professional psychoanalysis on Sarah. Mm-hmm. Thank you guys so much for definitely sending over this information. So Dr. Scott's analysis states, Sarah Winchester, complex or complicated grief with major depression, uh, two close family deaths in isolation, mm. birth of spiritualist movement at the end of Civil War, which is true. Yet the Fox sisters, the country was all transfixed by the spiritual movement because of all the war deaths. Mm. So she was taken in 
possibly by clairvoyant during a time of major grief and taken advantage of. Mm -hmm. And according to Dr. Shiloh's analysis, she states that it's a combination of complicated grief and uh, I might butcher this, phantophobia. Phantophobia. We are also doctors. Yes, we are. (laughs) (laughs) Doctors in coffee. Phantophobia. I think I got that right. The fear of dying. Mm. Her behaviors driven by complicated grief were really a pursuit of trying to stay alive and avoid the curse herself. With this disorder, if the fear is so prevalent as to affect your daily life, it is a phobia. Clearly, this was the case for her if the workers if the workers were really working every day, 24 hours a day. Mm-hmm. So complicated grief occurs most often in females and with older age. Factors that may increase the risk of developing complicated grief include an unexpected or violent death, such as a death from um, a car accident or the murder or suicide of a loved one, death of a child, Mm. closer dependent relationship to the deceased uh, person, social isolation or loss of a support system or friendships, past history of depression, PTSD, separation anxiety, or traumatic childhood experience such as abuse or neglect, other major life stressors such as major financial hardships. Mm. So complicated grief can affect you physically, mentally, and socially. Damn. So that was their psychoanalysis over Sarah Winchester, which I 100% agree that she was just dealing with complicated grief. Yeah. Um, In my opinion, Sarah was notoriously, yes, she was notoriously reclusive, and Mm. it's quite obvious that she spared no expense to innovate her architectural wonder. Mm-hmm. And she was a progressive thinker, a free spirit, no pun intended, huh. and intelligent. I don't think she was a crazy person like the public back in that era painted her to be. Mm-hmm. To me, she was really ahead of her time. And she often, like you said, ignored a lot of social so- circles. Mm-hmm. But what really, really, really gets to me, and I will get on the soapbox because this irks me too. hold mm-hmm. my purse. Here's the things. Mm-hmm. <laughs> This reason sounds more believable that she was suffering through this grief, but it was the fashion to assume that an older, childless widow millionaire with brains and a mind for architecture is labeled crazy. Mm-hmm. Please, mm-hmm. Like, give me a break. Guess what? There are women back then who were deemed crazy. Maybe you heard of them. They were. Uh, it was Ada Lovelace, Beatrix Potter, mm-hmm. Emily Dickinson, Georgia O'Keeffe. They were brilliant minds but they're deemed and labeled crazy then you also have oprah and betty white i'm just gonna throw that out there because i love them both all very very smart and very talented but they didn't give a fuck but then you had you know these gentlemen ludwig van beethoven leonard uh leonardo da vinci nikola Mm. tesla einstein they were crazy but they're crazy geniuses Back then, we feared the female genius, but so now the female genius is fucking courageous. Yes, but and we still kind of fear it. We still kind of fear it. You know, I was, I, it brought me back to this one house I visited in Wisconsin. I don't know if you heard of it, House on a Rock. Mm-mm. You know, okay, so it's a house. It was is built it? on a rock. Oh, well, <laughs> right? it was, it's look, a, we're not good at naming things in the Midwest. Sorry. We don't have a lot of time. When I was 12, my family and I, we did a road trip, and we went to this beautiful house, mm-hmm. and it was called House on a Rock, and it was built by Alex Jordan, who really wasn't in architecture. So he was, in all reality, he was a hoarder. Mm. He had money, but he hoarded so many pieces mm-hmm. of antiques. He had thousands of pieces of antique 
cameras and instruments. The house, after he passed, the house was turned into this museum because mm-hmm. it's beautiful and so unique. He was even, like, he even, like, had the world's largest carousel. It was a two-tier carousel. Mm-hmm. And it's beautiful. When you go in, you see it. And then he also had this ginormous sculpture of Moby Dick. It was, like, a scenario of Moby Dick destroying a ship that was, like, the size of the uh, Statue of Liberty. Jesus. Yeah. Oh, you know, there's no stories of him being crazy, being mm-hmm. led by ghosts or led by any other supernatural force, but he was deemed a unique artistic genius because mm-hmm. of this house. But then you have Sarah Winchester who built this beautiful home, yes, with all its oddities, and she's deemed crazy, you know? Right. And we didn't mention this, but, like, even one of the things people talk about is that, like, the stairs are a weird height for the ghost. She was 4'10 and had arthritis. Like, she couldn't <laughs> lift her legs up normal-sized steps. Like, let her live her life with her short little stairs. Like, yeah. We still fear the female ambition, I think. Yes. I mean, I'm not, yeah, I, I'm not going to try and get super political or super crazy, <laughs> so like, I'm just going to leave it at that. I'm leave it at that. Blink, right blink, 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 blink. <laughs> My eyes are blinking out of their socket. Um, but yeah, I think that is the thing, is that for every, especially in this time period, for every male achievement, there was a female who was doing the exact same thing. Mm-hmm or more who is being oppressed. I mean, we, the treatments for the idea of like a hysterectomy at that time, the idea of like women's insanity, that you could put women in insane asylums against their will, mm-hmm. all of that was a way to like sort of snuff out female ambition and like yeah. independence mm-hmm. from their husbands and fathers and so yeah, that's a horrible thing that we did. <laughs> and they're still doing it. It's great. <laughs> that was another thing, too. If Sarah Winchester was truly cursed, then wouldn't the makers of the Colt Pistol and Henry Rifle would have been, suffered the same fate? Hmm. Because here's the thing. It wasn't just the Winchester-level action 1873 that won the West. It was also the Colt Single Action Army, the Colt Model 1860 New Army, and the Henry-level lever rifle of 1860 that yes was produced um within their grandfather company and then um the inventor of that kind of left that company but nothing happened to him and that was actually you know benjamin tyler henry so nothing happens to him from what i found i know samuel colt uh his brother you know had a very turbulent life and uh they had their own curse but that was a curse within the family i see yes and hmm. um, I think people like speculated, no, the curse kind of lingered on to him because he dies at the age of 48 due to gout back in that time. The like, King's disease. The King's disease. So, I mean, there are other s- stories that, you know, circulated around that family, but nothing truly happened with those people sure. in regards to the spirits of, you know, the dead from, you know, their rifles or from, you know, the battles that those rifles were used in. Mm. It does seem like just a lot of capitalizing yeah. on like selling a good story, mm-hmm. making some money off of it. Although I do, as it, I think she was being taken advantage of, but I kind of love this like gun hating yeah. little medium who's like, it's the ghost of all the gun death. <laughs> Girl, we need you now. Like, come on out. Like, <laughs> come back. <laughs> come take a bow. We're going to do a little seance for you. Oh, let's segue 
into yes. the ghosts and seances. Yes. Sorry, we were in our soapbox. No, sorry, not sorry. Mm. We were on our soapbox. But you knew what this was. Yeah, you knew what this was, guys. <laughs> so we're going to talk about ghosts. Yes. All right. So um, let's get into the seances. Yes. So this was a big thing. Mm. This was a big story and speculation that surrounded the house where the seances. So a highlight of the tour at the Winchester Mystery House is the seance room. I can't believe there's a whole room. Oh, a hidden room where uh, a guide will tell visitors that Sarah had regular sessions with the spirits. Mary Jo Ignafo again says that this is a case of modern eyes and tastes viewing yesterday's practices. Mm. Now, at the time Sarah lived, the spiritualism movement was a popular one, but Ignafo says that there is no evidence that Sarah participated or held seances in her home, even if she did. The historian says the idea of a special seance room for nightly sessions is far-fetched. Mm. A seance was a social affair back then, it was true, to suggest, as tour guides do, that Sarah held solo seances in an interior closet that led to the seance room kind of doesn't make sense. Mm. Uh, according to le- legend, and this is just legend, for some inexplicable Applicable reason, however, Mrs. Winchester took precautions in the building design so as to incorporate all the strange features of the house to confuse the evil spirits, mm-hmm. like we mentioned. Moreover, she would ring her alarm bell every night at midnight to signal the spirits that it was seance time. <laughs> and again at 2 a.m., like, you gotta get the fuck out. Love it. Signaling the spirits that it was time to depart, which begs the question, who was in charge of who? Mm. And why would the spirits who had this ability to control her to build such a house, you know, why was she telling them to leave? Maybe she was running a nightclub for the spirits. Maybe we got it all wrong. Maybe we had. She's so progressive. I know. I mean, she was like. She's like, let me show you this I'm not going to discriminate living in the dead. Yeah. Yeah. I'm ready to get. down like how do you know what edm is it's 1800 well like, that what? was that was another thing too so this was another legend too that i heard <laughs> with the number 13 yeah so if she were to hold these special seances mm-hmm. there was another story that she held these special dinners seances um she was set a table with 13 plates and 13 utensil pieces mm-hmm. sets 13 glasses for no one you know she would sit at the table have dinner and then have a seance because back then um People would have dinner. Sure. It was a party, and after dinner, they would do a seance. Yeah. They'll stay in table, hold their hands, try to communicate with the ghosts. Yeah. And for me, I really, I just don't see her doing solo seances, or maybe she did. I could just, I don't know. I just see her like probably going into the room, and you're like probably talking to the spirits and saying, you know, you gotta go at two a.m. See her lighting a cigarette. Yeah. Pulling down her hair. Taking out, down her corset, going into her room. Yeah. Oh, Lord, like I'm ready to get into the shower and just like, yeah, you know, go to sleep with the spirits. As you do. As you do. I mean, she's like a way heavier partier than I am. I cannot stay up till midnight or 2 a.m. So like, good on you, right? girl. That Sarah's crazy. Right? 2 a.m. She uh, Come on. Yeah. Come on now. Like, you gots to go at 2 a.m. Get the fuck out. Like, Damn, girl. She is closing the bar out. She is. Like, <laughs> close your tab. Bye. Bye. Yes. Yeah, so... There have also been reports that during that 1906 Mm. earthquake, a lot of people claimed that the spirits of the Winchester rifle kept her entrapped in the house during that earthquake because she was encaved in one of the rooms, Mm -hmm. in her room, and people had to pry her out. Like, she got stuck. Mm -hmm. And people thought, no, it was the ghosts who were angry because, you know, she wasn't doing enough construction. And they were angry with her, so they kind of 
locked her in her room. Damn. That was another, you know, mythical legend Hmm. of the angry ghosts. As you do. Yes. That was another thing I noticed about this house. There weren't a lot of ghost stories. Hmm. There were two that really, that really, you know, were Mm -hmm, consistent, mm -hmm. but there weren't like a slew of them. Mm Mm-hmm. There weren't a slew like what you find at the Myrtles Plantation, totally. what you find in Waverly Hills and any other like highly active place. So there have been reports of seeing men and women dressed up in what appears to be period maid or butler attire. And these individuals in questions have been seen by staff and visitors walking up and down the stairs, carrying trays or cleaning and dusting tables. So this, in my opinion, like you said before, mm. there is a re- like. A residue. There's like yeah. a residual haunting. This could be them, you know, their energy just keeping up with the place, sure. even in the afterlife. The staff members have also claimed to get what they say is a ghostly feeling on the corridors of the third floor. Now, mm-hmm. many tour guides of the Winchester Mystery House avoided the corridors of the third floor, and it was reported that footsteps and unknown voices were heard on the third floor, but no signs of the living were found in that area. Mm. So no tours would go through mm-hmm. there. They were just these phantom noises coming from this area. Mm. So there is also the Daisy Room. And the Daisy Room is actually, from what I found out, named after one of her nieces, Daisy. Mm. So a tour guide named Samantha claimed one of the ghostly sightings occurred around this room. In one occasion, while she was presenting the Daisy Room to the tourists, she heard a heavy sigh along the hallway. When she tried to look for the source, she saw a small silhouette figure gliding along the darkened hallway. So she bravely went to the hallway but never saw the figure and just heard the sigh again. Samantha believed that this small entity was Sarah Winchester. Other witnesses have also seen the same figure in question and have described it as being small stature dressed in black or looks like a pitch black silhouette of a figure. I'm sure it's Sarah sighing over the bullshit that they're saying. Yeah, <laughs> yes. Oh, Lord. Oh, God, here we go again. Here we go again. I'm going to smoke my cigarette and, yeah. you know, undo my corset. The handyman apparition. Now, over the years that the house was open to the public, many sightings of figures and feelings of coldness and unknown presence was reported. So this is a frequent story. The frequent phantom that tourists and guys reported seeing in the house was a man with jet black hair named Clyde, a loyal employee of Sarah Winchester. Now, witnesses have claimed that Clyde looks like a former handyman of the house because he is always seen pushing a wheelbarrow, carrying coal, and repairing fireplaces. He appears as an apparition in his white overalls and his mustache. And he'll just kind of blankly look at you, and if you look away, he just disappears. There was a report several years back of a handyman that was called to do some repairs on the home. The man was working in one of the rooms, setting up his ladder, and as he was setting up his ladder, he felt what seemed like someone was tapping him on the shoulder. And when he turned around, no one was there. No. Yeah, so he shrugged it off and completed his job and then made his way out. As he was leaving the house, he felt as though someone was shoving him out of the way. It spooked him so much that he ended up leaving the house immediately. So was he in the way of the spirits of the workmen that continued to work on the house in the afterlife? Possibly. Visitors and staff have also reported hearing what sounds like hammering and saws throughout the house. Reports of smell, the smell of soup or food circulates throughout the kitchen. Ooh, I, I wouldn't mind a haunting if there was the smell of soup. Accompanied. Ooh, or coffee. Ooh, yeah. Because mm. it's always like, oh, the smell of a dead body. I don't want to no, I don't, don't want to hear it. I don't want to smell it. But you want to put some tomato soup? Yeah, we can yeah. talk. Let, let's talk. 
So the smell, it smells like chicken soup. That's Ooh. what the stat, oh, I know, man. Especially I'm hungry. <laughs> and it's hot. And I'm like, oh, why not? Yeah, like, huh? yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> We're sick. <laughs> so those are, see, those are the few claims. Mm. There, there are a few claims. You know, there are not a lot. Mm. I mean, I I never hear of like, well, there's a, man, a malevolent force sure, there. You sure, know, sure, there's, sure. there's this evil presence there you know there's this darkness there I, I never hear that I always hear well it's creepy well yeah any Victorian home that you enter is creepy the Victorian era in general has a lot of dark underbelly let's yeah. just start there it yeah. does it does but I have a, a question for you Bryce mm. do you believe that the Winchester mansion or the Winchester mystery house is truly haunted mm. look no I don't mm-hmm. I think if I had to put a pin in it, I think I kind of already like touched on this, is that people have brought their baggage to this home and that leaves an energy. Do you know what I mean? I, a spe- the thing I definitely don't believe is that it's the most haunted place in America. Like, absolutely not. No. They can claim that. Uh, I get it, it's good marketing. But first of all, the most haunted place in America or the world or whatever is not going to have a billboard on it. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. There are places in the Ozarks that would curl your toes. Like, you're not going to tell me that there's not some place in like the Louise, like the swamp of Louisiana, where they're doing like bone magic mm-hmm. that's like not more haunted than this. Like, I'm just not going to buy that. Like, there are places that we will never hear about, right? That you would not be able to get to because they're so like reclusive and like actually dark. Mm-hmm. That like actual bad things are happening there. Do you know what I mean? No, I understand. Yeah. Uh, so no, I do not think that it is the most haunted place. Anything that has like a tourist attraction definitely could be haunted, but I just don't buy that it's going to be like as dark or as malevolent, like you were saying, mm-hmm. as like an actual place where like actual bad things are happening, sacrifice or whatever, whatever it ends up being. Uh, I think this is probably a case of residual energy that manifests to the person wanting to see something if that makes sense like if you go in and you're really looking for the number 43 you're going to see the number 43 exactly so that's just my opinion obviously (laughs) like there are these stories like yeah maybe maybe but i just think no probably not no i i respect that i believe that there's something there Mm -hmm. and it's definitely not what the movie depicted but from what i research in the accounts what's there is very very benign Mm -hmm. and I I think you know when I I was watching an interview with Helen Mirren with the LA Times and she puts it so beautifully and I was telling you this she was um telling the reporter after being asked do you think that this is this house is haunted and she said I feel that there's something here but it's very benign Hmm. I feel that the spirit of Sarah Winchester is here that's nice but she's all around she's within the walls she's seen in the windows the doors she's on the ground she's in the gardens like she's everywhere she she is this house that's very nice which was very very nice and she believes yeah maybe sarah does visit this place every now and again Mm -hmm. to check up on it but i don't believe that this is one of the most haunted homes in america that's Mm -hmm. what that was her response and i i applauded that i was like i agree because like i said before like a lot of people that go there they they never have a a story Even the ones that do the like the, the the flashlight tours, they never 
claim to see or feel mm-hmm. anything. They're like, well, it was really creepy. Yeah, you're walking around a ginormous mm-hmm. Victorian home in the dark with a flashlight. It would be very, very que- creepy. Mm-hmm. I believe that there's a lot of residue, like a lot of residual hauntings. Mm-hmm. Um, like the energy that was implemented in the woods, in the walls. Like, I, I believe that there are some energies there that are still working in the afterlife. Totally. You know, they love that place so much. They treated it like their home. Mm-hmm. They're rooted there, like we mentioned earlier. Yeah. So is this place haunted could be i believe it's very very benign very minimal there's something there for sure maybe clyde is you know still working in the afterlife because that's the report that i constantly see is clyde yeah people that is one of the rumors too is that Mm -hmm. many of the workers left so abruptly on her death out of sadness that there were like tools left and like nails that weren't even fully hammered in the wall Mm -hmm. like you know all those stories are probably a little aggrandized as well but that would make more sense to me like a worker Totally. There's so much energy being poured into that house mm-hmm. through your like labor. Yeah, that kind yeah. of makes sense. I mean, doing the research in this, I just felt that a lot of her story was just really fluffed up with the media. Mm. And I will bring this up. I don't mean to sidetrack here, but before we did this podcast, I had this amazing opportunity to meet with Craig Owens, who's the author of Haunted by History, oh, Volume wow. 1. He's a phenomenal historian, researcher, and paranormal investigator. Love. He wrote this amazing book, Haunted by History, it's one of my favorite books of 2018, guys, about the haunt, haunted history, especially in California. Mm-hmm. He hasn't gone all over California to investigate the most haunted hotels Damn. in the state. And you're never going to believe, you know, his final thoughts and his, you know, final notes of these places. But what's so unique about this book is that he actually did full on photo shoots based on the legends of the wow. hotel. So he hired models and actors and it's beautiful, mm. beautiful. And with my designer eye, like beautiful costumes, Love. hair, makeup. He had a Love. vision. It's gorgeous. You have to check it out. But I asked him, you know, what is your best advice for us doing a paranormal podcast? And he said, do your homework, mm-hmm. do your research. Don't always put all your money down on the legends. Just do your homework, research. You'll be surprised what you'll come up with. Amazing. And it's true because in his book, there is a hotel that he mentions that had all these legends circulating around this hotel, that it was really haunted. There was a story of a prostitute that was brutally murdered. And upon his investigation, he finds out that the owners of the hotel made it up because yeah, they're going through business. Yeah, they're going through a financial Hell decline. Yeah. But the legends exploded so much that they the hotel is in, in one of the episodes of Ghost Adventures. Mm. Yes, there is a room that is haunted in the hotel from what he mentioned. And if you want to find out more, you just have to read his book. Yeah. Yeah. But definitely go check it out. It's Haunted by History, Volume 1, Craig Owens. Yeah. I mean, Um, that would make sense to me. I think that can happen where something could start out not mm -hmm. or completely benign or whatever. And we're really good at like meddling and making things worse as Mm -hmm. humans. Like that's something that we just kind of always end up doing. It's like, Oh, maybe it started out as just a way to get more business or just a story. And then because people like believed it, they bring that belief with them. And all of a sudden it's like dozens and then hundreds and then, however many people end up coming all with the same energy day after day after day after day Mm -hmm. that is going to leave echoes and so it's like we in some weird way kind of manifest the thing that we are wanting to be true it's like well i want to see a ghost in this room 
whether it was originally haunted or not, now it probably really is mm-hmm. because that's what's happened from our meddling. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, we that's ruin I, everything. No, that's what I told you. There was that episode in Supernatural. Yes, yes. Where um, this guy had written a story or was writing a story about this um, evil entity mm-hmm. and it was just something that was fictional and it blew up and people believed in it and talked about it so much that it became an actual entity mm. that the duo had to like defeat. Oh, Sam and Dean. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm. Hey. Yes. I'll drink of water. Yeah, you yes. can throw some salt on me. <laughs> Girl, go save yourself. I will. Mm-hmm. I will. All right, guys. Well, um, if you're here for the booze, there were some booze here. And I know that you're like, boo. I thought I that this was going to be the most haunted house. But, I mean, we had receipts. Yes. We had receipts. I mean, Mary Gagnofo spent years researching this house in mm-hmm. Sarah Winchester. And it just turned out, yeah, she was a very unique woman. She had a lot of secrets, and that's what's very intriguing about Mm -hmm. her. And the house has a lot of secrets, and it just continues to be that way. Look, we're not going to lie to you. No. We love you too much for that. Yeah. So just take this as a sign of our love Mm -hmm. that we're not giving you fake hauntings. You're welcome. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for this TED Talk. I know. (laughs) Welcome to our TED Talk. All right, guys. So we have some spiritual bays of the week. We have two... First off, we have Murder Blows, includes four women of true crime. They are the true crime bays. Out, out to investigate mysteries and learn about true crime with four specific interests, psychology, paranormal, conspiracy, and international mysteries. Ooh. Go check them out. They're Murder Blows and Drinks with Larry. Hi. They're so awesome on Twitter. Both of you guys are Murder Blows and Drinks with Larry. They're so visible on Twitter. I know, I love it. They've been giving us a lot of shout outs and uh-huh. we just adore the shit out of you guys. So join comedians Larry and Aaron along with non-important Brian, full of opinions, Burton and resident legal expert Daniel while they chat about current topics in the world of comedy, video games, science fiction, nerd culture, movies, and Star Wars. Lots lots and lots of Star Wars. They're big Star Wars fans, so if you love Star Wars, you love nerd culture, science fiction, they're yo guys. So go check I know, go check them out. They're really sweet. So, guys, if you love Hollywood Paranormal, we'd love for you to subscribe, rate, and give us a review on iTunes. It really helps us out a lot. It definitely helps all of us indie podcasters Mm. out. It helps us become a little more visible. We're a disappearing ghost girl. Make us visible. Don't make us like ghosts (laughs) of the past. Like, it literally takes five seconds to rate and you guys have been so review. awesome about it you thank guys are you. the best i know <laughs> thank I know. you guys we're weeping into the microphone crusty mouse oh i love her i know best. hey girl hey um but yeah it really does help us out it really takes a couple of seconds if you go on that little purple app that is the podcast app and you can definitely find us over there just rate and review us it really helps us out rate what you feel rate what you like can't get enough of Holly Weird Paranormal, then stalk us on Instagram and Facebook at Holly Weird Paranormal and on Twitter at HWP Podcasts. Have a story that you're dying to share. No pun intended. Yes, it was. <laughs> then email us at hollyweirdparanormal at gmail.com. Catch up with our past episodes on blueberry.com, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Google Play, Castbox, Player and Femme, and what's the new one, Bryce? Spotify. Yeah, 
just that old thing. That old thing. I yeah. don't know if you guys have heard of it. It's pretty small. It's called Spotify. Or as my mom would like to call it, Spotify. Ah, yes. <laughs> Mama Meche. All right, guys. Thank you so much for the love. Till next time. Bye. 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 <laughs>